Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Beyond the Album Cover with your boy Jay Mace, where we get inside the entertainment industry with those in the know and give flowers to those while they're here to be celebrated. Right now with me, I have two fire MCs that spit nothing but that. 16 bars, give it to you how you want it, five fingers of death, all that and whatnot. But they're doing it for G-O-D and for the kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, I have 360 and my man B-Down from the rap group, The Org. Welcome to Beyond the Album Cover, fellas. Thank Peace. you for having us. Thank you, man. Man, I appreciate you guys taking the time. So uh, first off, I want to go with B-Down. Tell me a little bit about yourself, how you came to be, and how did rapping come about? And then 360, after he finishes, same question for you. Cool. Um, I guess for me, you know, I grew up in the, in the era where, um, like, my first memories was this guy on the corner he used to bring out two turntables every day, summertime. Um, I might have been, like, 9 or 10, and then from there, you know, people breakdancing, the graffiti, you know, everything with the whole 9. That was, that was early 80s. That was, like, 83, 84. That was kind of early. Okay. All right. And for you, 360? Yeah, we definitely from the golden era, man. Uh, what true MCing was everything. You know, we grew up where you don't have lyrics. You ain't going to be mumbling and, and all that stuff. You really got to rock. So that, yeah. that's where we grew up. And um, that's what attracted us to hip hop, man. Mm, so no biting allowed. You had to come with your own style. And pretty much you started off with a crew, either breaking, MCing, graffitiing. And if you were an MC, you better have hot bars when you were in that cycle. <laughs> That's right. Definitely, definitely. Right. So can even one of you remember the first rap record that you purchased? Mm. I, mm. I, I can go first. Go um, ahead, man. The first album or single? Uh, either album or 12-inch, even one. I'm going I'm to I'm go with something 12-inch that people are going to be like, wow, I remember that record. It was a dope record. You remember Fly Girls by the Boogie Boys? Yeah, Sly Fox ended up sampling that for Let's Go All The Way. Yes, that was the first rap record I ever bought, ever. Mm, taking it back right there. How about for you, 360, first rap record of 12-inch? Yeah, mine was um, Sugar Hill Gang, man. It was um, either The Message or one of those, but it was Sugar Hill. Mm-hmm, Sugar Hill. And speaking of which, Sugar Hill Records was based out of Jersey, which is where you guys are from, B-Down. You were born in Queens, lived there till about nine till you moved to Newark, and 360 Newark native. So tell us about the impact of Jersey, not only in the music business with Sugar Hill Records, but of all the great MCs that came out of Jersey's over the years, from Queen Latifah, Naughty, Redman, Lords of the Underground. Um, shout out to Sylvia Rohn. Yeah, that was, that's kind of crazy that you mentioned that. That's the northern part of um, Jersey. I think that's, see the T-neck or Edge, Edgewater. Edgewater is in that area. But um, that's where the first thing, you know, first steps of anything hip hop related was, was basically out of Jersey from a standpoint of physically on wax. Yeah, and everybody you just named, man, from Jersey that you just listed, they know about bars. They know that you gotta come right. You can't be in Jersey uh, just just saying crazy stuff because it was yeah. true I'm seeing back then. Now, you know, I mean, they do what they do, but it was it was completely, completely true I'm seeing back then. That's it. Definitely. 
Yeah, and I got Reggie Noble in my top five DOA rappers. You know, his mm -hmm. verse on Headbanger, for me, mm -hmm. it was right mm -hmm. up there with K-Solo's. That's right. Definitely. Definitely. That's right. Get your disc yep. of tape of Sam Goody. Yo, where's my hoodie? If you know, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah if yeah. you know, you know. Hey, Red, you know what? I, I commend you on that, man, because Red said, if you're going to come out and it's like your first time being heard or your first day ever, you know, heard anything about you, you want to make people say, who is that? So yeah. when he came with all them R's and red men ready to rock rough rhymes, renegade rapper, it was all R's and he was not <laughs> playing. <laughs> so no, so no, I he was you not, on that one. No, he I was love not. Red. Yeah, the, the What D album, Muddy Waters, everything right. that he's came out. And this was back during the era when if you were on a feature, you knew you were nice if you were last up to bet. Look at Buster hey. Rhymes and yep. the Scenario Definitely. Remix. And if you have not listened to that ELE2, go listen to that. Mm -hmm. I, I downloaded it. I downloaded it the other day. It's a bizarre record. Yeah, it's a dope record. I have that, T.I.'s Libra, and then Jadakiss album, Ignatius, as my top three rap albums of the year so far. Okay. Nice. Yeah. For the whole year? Nice. Okay. Yeah, well, for honorable mention, going to Big Sean in uh, Detroit, too. That, that was okay. a, a banger as well. So um, what was your guys' take on, okay, New York is dominating, and then Jersey's starting to make noise, like with who I mentioned earlier, with Naughty, Queen, Laws of the Underground, Apache, rest in peace. And uh, do you think that Jersey always kind of always been in the shadow of New York MCs and had trouble with carving out their own identity and just feeling like, hey, we're just as nice as New York? Um, definitely, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, shout out to the Flavor Unit. I mean, you shout out the Flavor Unit. If you go back even further, um, Twin Hype, shout out Twin Hype too. Um, so it was more or less like back then what, what people was doing was um, trying to just, you know, mention the borough that they was from. Um, I've heard a lot of Jersey rappers say that they was from Brooklyn and stuff like that just to get more attention. So it was it was definitely rough, definitely rough in the mm -hmm. beginning as far as carving out their own niche. So it's like now when you see other places like down south and it's our time to shine, that whole movement with the, the hip hop is in the south and this and that. I kind of understand it because New York in the beginning was... This is my, I created it. This is mine. It's nothing anybody else could do with it. Mm -hmm. How about for you, 360? Yeah, I agree with that 100%, man. It was kind of like we had to find our own niche because um, New York run things, you know, and, and that's, the Bronx started it and all that stuff. That's why I said in Jersey, lyrics was everything. Because it was like, everything. yeah, they like, who, who is this? Who is this dude? But if the lyrics tight, they didn't care where you was from, you know? So we had to be extra. Mm -hmm. and, and, and and by the way, I hope we make that top three when this when this album drops. <laughs> I want to be in that top three you was naming, man. Somebody got to move over, or either you gonna have a top four. Yeah, we, we, we can have a top four. We can have a top five. You know, we can get it in. And I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a fun fact for those of you that don't know about your hip hop history. Naughty by Nature, they were originally signed to Sugar Hill Records, mm, and definitely. they were under a name called The New Style. That's right. And they put out, I believe it was a 12 inch and mm -hmm. then that didn't really make any moves. And then they later came out with Naughty, with Hip Hop Array, OPP, and they did mm -hmm. the Soul Train theme from 93 to I want to say maybe 03, 04. So mm -hmm. shout out to KG, Tretch, and Vinny, still getting them checks. And if you look at Juice, Tretch, 
was in juice with Tupac rolling around right. with his crew. That's right. That's right. Good brother, too. Good, real good brother. Real yeah. good brother. Humble dude, man. Humble yeah. dude. I love Trey. All of them are. All of yeah. them. All of them. Definitely. Mm, and then another thing I should mention too, I forgot to mention, shout outs goes to poor righteous teachers out of Jersey as well, kicking mm -hmm. the knowledge, the science from 5% nation. So can you tell us about how big of an influence was the 5%ers in that whole movement during the go to era hip hop, you know, when hearing public enemy, poor righteous teachers, brand Nubian, Airbnb, Rakim. Hmm. Um, you you want to answer that one, Doc? Or, I mean, I can go first, but it's up to you. I'm just going to say on that uh, PRT, we love them, man. You know, I grew up, um, I didn't know all the 5% rules and all that, but I respect them. And PRT was ridiculous to me. You know, um, to this day, when you play that rock this funky joint, you're going to sit back and respect that no matter when it is. That's what I was going to say about that. Um, and the, most definitely uh, is from... We we always was believers, even if you don't believe in what we believe in, you know, you got to always respect people with, when it comes to religion and politics. And, you know, as you can see right now with the, the 46 win, it's like it's just a hectic time. So you got to always be respectful of what people think. And, mm -hmm. you know, I know I know back then, you know, if you was portraying to be a 5 percent or, or the gods or, or the 7 percenters or whatever, that if you didn't know your lessons that, you know, that you were supposed to know that the issues, the beatdowns were serious, that, you know, stuff like that. I did. I was aware of that. Yeah. And I was unaware about a lot of the 5% stuff because I was, you know, five, six years old at the time when all of that was going on. But going back and listening to a lot of those records and then looking at the Wu-Tang series on Hulu, they were mm -hmm. heavy into the 5%, you know, with RZA Definitely. and Jizza. So if you go back and listen to End of the Wu, the 36 Chambers, even ODB stuff, that was dropping a lot of the signs and the math from the 5% Nation. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. And what was your thoughts when you first heard Wu-Tang, because everybody thinks Staten Island is the forgotten borough, and you got nine MCs that are stars in their own right, but somehow RZA convinced everybody, hey, let's form a group, show what we can all do, and then go to Loud, Steve Rifkin, and say, hey, we don't want to have right of first refusal on Loud. We want to be able to mm -hmm. make solo deals on separate labels. Um, it was it was genius. I got a I got a funny Wu Tang story. Wu Tang album came out the same day as Midnight Marauders, same day because I ended up buying both of those albums on the same day. And Wu Tang album was so dope when I first heard it that I didn't even give Tribe their though. It was like Tribe album was. I was like, everybody was like, Nah, it don't sound right. But then once you go back and you review that, and that was a classic too. So it was like both those albums on the same day came out. And they mm. both was phenomenal records. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal. Mm, rest in peace, Five. And the funny thing about Tribe, with me being younger than you all, when I was looking at the Beats, Rhyme, and Life documentary, I didn't know about mm -hmm. Jerobi until then. And then they said that he already had verses and everything for low-end theory, but ended up mm -hmm. leaving the group to go towards his second passion, which is the culinary arts. But he was on the debut, yes. which was People Instinctives. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, yes. 
Mm-hmm. I see so, you do your research. I, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, impressed by that. Yeah, you do. <laughs> man, I, I know my stuff, man. I grew up watching yeah. BT, MTV, Rap City, yeah. you know, yeah. Chris Thomas, yeah. Dejour, Big Lash, Joe Claire, Yo on TV Raps, Fat Five Freddy, Ed Lover, Dr. Dre. Not Dr. Dre from the West Coast, but DJ no. Dr. Dre, yeah. who was originally in the rap group Original Concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you if you was in the metropolitan area, there's another one that was huge, a huge impact was Video Music Box. Uncle Ralph, shout out to Uncle Ralph. Yeah, you can go check out huge. my throwback interview with Lionel Vid Kid Martin. You can hear about Video Music Box and the whole nine yards. Now, what was your take? This is like around I would say 91, 92, and West Coast started to make its way nationally. Before then, it really wasn't getting played anywhere outside of the West Coast. But once Dr. Dre, Snoop, Warren G, everything started to come, what was your take on that? Because that whole sound was totally different because the beats per minute was a lot higher for New York East Coast rap, while for the West Coast, it was more slow, slow. easy, because, you know, the West Coast is very laid back. Um, for me, I always I, listen. I don't. I never got caught up in that East Coast, West Coast. If you was dope, you was dope. Mm-hmm. So it was just like you know what? Somebody in another part of the country is telling their story, and I loved it. And to this day, I love it. How about for you, hey, sixty? Yeah, man. I, I meant to ask you, man. You had a great question, but before I answered this one, your question <laughs> of what was the first thing, the first album, hip hop that you bought, the first single. What's yours? Hmm. My first rap album I remember getting, it was Licensed to Ill on cassette, Beastie Boys. Okay. Wow. Okay. Okay. I was listening to that the other day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, I had a chance Rick to interview Ruben. Cut Creator, and he was telling me a lot of stories about being on tour with them and the whole story of Def Jam and Beastie Boys. It was interesting to see their evolution going from, you know, frat house, party rap on License the Ill, and then Paul's Boutique, then later Check Your Head, mm-hmm. Hello Nasty, and to see how they evolved, not only as MCs, but yeah. as men as well. And now gonna pivot back out west. And just recently, about a week ago, Social Mischief just put their documentary on their page, 93 to Infinity. And I always thought that Souls of Mischief and the Hieroglyphics crew don't get enough props. Mm-hmm. Nice. I like Del, Del the funky um Hobo Sapien. Yeah, oh my god. Is the first album? Are we it was a George, something with George in it. Mr. Dabalina and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Those those was great records, great records. And uh, we, like I said, we never got caught up in all that. If you was from, if you could be from Portland, like um, the guys that's Grisildas from Buffalo, mm-hmm. you know, it just shows that people all over just love uh, love the art form. And mm-hmm. I I didn't answer that question, man. On the slow flow and everything else, West Coast. You're right. That was a whole different thing to my ears, man. When they first dropped, it was like, you know, and Snoop album was so crazy and every... Bananas. Every, bananas. Yeah, bananas. Every bananas. song connected with the last song and it was just one straight album. And I was like, it's slow, but man, I was like, yo, this is this is different because New York but is just up-tempo, but that was slow. But mm-hmm. even, the, even the add-on to that, you know, we forgetting... We, you know, you got you got to go back to the DOCs, the NWAs, mm. the Kentees, yeah. you know, stuff like that. So, you know, even even the quicks. So early on, 
when I heard um, No One Could Do It Better, man, that was like, that to me was the record besides the WA record. That, that album, it. had he not gotten into his accident, he would have been, he been top, huge, top, top five. Huge. That album, top to bottom, the skits, the production, yeah. Dr. Dre, L.A. Crazy. Dre. Huge. I mean, they put their foot crazy. in that album, which was mm-hmm. crazy. Huge. And also, we got to give big shout outs, big mentions to Nasty Ness out in Seattle with what was going on with Sir Mix-a-Lot, because a lot of people thought Sir Mix-a-Lot just had Baby Got Back and put it on the glass, but no, he had Beepers, My Posse's on yeah. Broadway, My yeah. Hoopty, and Seattle is more than just grunge, Nirvana, and everything that came out of there. Mm-hmm. You know, Ness is a good friend of ours. Ness worked our first record for us, um, Backbone. So he, what, Ness is always good by us. Good friend, good brother. Shout out to Nasty Ness. Yeah, very dope. I had a chance to interview Nasty yeah. Ness as well, and that's available on YouTube. And then we also got to mention, you know, Mellow Man Ace, Mentirosa, uh, Kid Frost, La Raza. And yeah. it's just the beautiful thing about hip hop is that no matter what region or the country you're in, everybody had their own different sound, whether it was out west, you know, E40, mm-hmm. Too Short. All of the rappers that we mentioned, either in Southern California or the Bay Area, you got Houston, Ghetto Boys, J Prince, everything that was coming out of Rap A Lot, UGK out of Port Arthur, Texas, Rest in Peace, Pimp C. Then you had Memphis with 3 Six Mafia, 8 Ball, MJG, DJ Spanish Fly. And then Atlanta, of course, of everything came out of there with LaFace, Outkast, Goody Mob, Dungeon Family, TI. So, what was your take on when? Outcast first came out with Southern Playalistic and how it kind of felt like the South had a hard time breaking outside of the Southern U.S. until, you know, more mainstream exposure than Andre 2000 went on the Source Awards and said, you know, the South got something mm-hmm. to say. And decades later, the South is still saying what needs to be said. Um, that that album from, I mean, it just solidified that, you know, as far as the live instrument instrumentation and Outcast was just always different. Mm-hmm. They were just they, they just took chances, and the thing that I respected, like the way we came up, and like Three was telling you earlier, is that we we came from a school where you had to be different. You didn't want to sound like anybody. They was down south guys. They was dope. They was they just was. I just thought that album was crazy. It was a crazy album. Yeah. How about for you, Three Sixty? Thoughts on Outcast and the whole Southern movement? Yeah, man, one hundred percent. I agree. They, they, um, they, they, they went in their own lane. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and <laughs> you go in your own lane, you saying something, man. And they, they went in their own lane. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing about Outcast was for Players Ball, it was originally released as a Christmas single on the LaFace record label compilation Christmas album. Remember those? And mm-hmm. the record took off so huge. That mm-hmm. L.A. Reid told them, hey, you guys got to put out an album. And then we have Seven Playalistic and then everything else that came out of Atlanta. And for those of you that don't know, Sleepy Brown, one third of Organized Noise, along with Rico Wade and Ray Murray, his dad was in the 70s band Brick. Hmm. Oh, I didn't know and, that. Yeah, his, yeah. Dad, his dad was in the band Brick. And it's just crazy to see how now, you know, everything is just all expansive, you know, and me being from North Carolina, I'm happy to see my home state finally getting some love, some recognition mm-hmm. on, on the music scene, you know, with J. Cole and Rhapsody, you know, little, we had little brother, 
you know, mm-hmm. and it's definitely good to see North Carolina being well represented. And I was looking at your bio beat down. You had worked on the Dricky Graham project that was snapped back in tattoos, right? Yeah, definitely. And definitely. I believe Dricky Graham was from it's from Oxford, North Carolina. He is. He is. He spent his 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 mom's lives in Oxford and his father um, lives in North. So he had the best of both worlds. Yeah. I spoke I, to him the other day. I spoke to him maybe Maybe last week sometime. He's doing good. He's doing yeah, good. He's dope. in Florida right now. Dope, dope, dope. Yeah, so when I saw Oxford, I was like, oh, snap, I pass by Oxford every time when I go to college in Greensboro. So that's okay. That's a little bit of a connection there. And then while we're on the mention of New Jersey, I'll be remiss if I did not mention these two R&B groups out of New Jersey. Today and Riff. <laughs> yeah. Today True. and Riff. Big Bub, yeah, yeah, vocally, is yeah, like Luther Vandross meets New Jack Swing. Big Bub, <laughs> Big Bub from uh, Inglewood. Yeah, yeah, Inglewood. Hey, your, your, your hip-hop history game is crazy, man. I said, does he have a script with these names? No. Because it's crazy. No script. All, all off the dome. All off the dome. Your history, your history, your hip-hop history game is bananas. I said, he got to have a script. Where do you, where's it all coming from with all these names? Man, it, it just comes from you know years of just loving the music, watching yeah. video soul, BT, and just yeah. soaking up information. You know, I'm a historian of music and just grew up listening to all the good stuff, you know, from BDP to Juice Crew to mm-hmm. okay. Caribbean okay. Rakim X Clan, uh-huh. um, Egyptian Lover, LA Dream Team, World Class Wrecking Crew. Um, Mojo, who was the first Atlanta rapper, MC Shadi, you know. Mm-hmm. So you know, I'm, I'm a fan, fan of fan of it all, man, and a true historian. All that's Definitely. all that's in your head, man. That's amazing to me, man. Respect due on that. Respect I, due. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So within the genre of Christian hip hop, how does Christian hip hop try to find its way to make it feel where it's like, okay, we don't want to be too preachy. We want to be respected for our lyrical content and not make it feel like you're listening to a sermon on wax. Because when I went back and listened to gospel gangsters, first album gang affiliated, I was like, this is just as hard as anything Dre or DJ quick would do. And they were spitting about God. Uh Yeah, we, we, we agree, man. We think that that's the key. Um, we think the key is, first of all, the music got to be tight because, uh, you know, people ain't moving their head if, if it's a weak beat. And then the MC should be so nice. You don't even realize what's going on until you say, oh, this this about God. You know, and you get caught up in it. And it's a beautiful thing because to us, it's nothing higher than representing God. So if you're using your craft that he gave you and you done brought people in and before they before they know it, they they listening and talking about God, and it's deep because MCing could do that. A real MC and a and a nice beat, you can do it. So Definitely. yeah, we we respect that. Yeah, how about for you, B down? Um, you got to keep you got to keep the element raw. You got to keep it. You got to spit just as hard as you was for you know the world when you was out there. You got to do the same thing as a Christian. It's no different because at the end of the day, it's all about what you say and. In the life you live, you gotta, gotta. The elements still gotta be raw. You gotta do it the way you always did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you gotta walk it and you gotta talk it. Now, how did That's you guys it. link up to form the org? And any one of you all can take this question. Um, 
it was it was this gentleman that uh, his name was DJ Sue. He did something on that album, and he he formed a super group for mostly for everybody that lived in in the Newark area. So mm-hmm. all his clients formed this super group, and we all got together and, and called it the Org. At that time, it meant the organization. And we 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 actually had. I know we was giving respect earlier to Wu. Man, we had a Wu in New. It was crazy. It was we crazy. had a Wu. Now, all due respect to Wu, we love him, but we had one in Newark that was insane. Everybody mm-hmm. spit different, but everybody was fire and they was coming. And if you ain't coming, you ain't on the record. It was so yeah. many in the crew that people got bounced off records every day. Yeah, <laughs> you, was fighting, you was fighting for your spot on that record with your verse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so, so it was like you were golfing the room, right? 16, whoever had the hottest 16 got Stayed on the record. On Everybody get a chance, but whoever whoever was the dopest stayed on it. And we That's was it. all fighting to stay on them records. It's all love. Don't get mad. <laughs> it's all love. It's, it's all love. Mm-hmm. It's all love. But I got bounced off a few. I got bounced off a few. That was life, man. We we all wanted to have the best beat and this and that, but you can't all fit. So we, we banged it. it out. We so was this still kind of like back in the days when you had the home studio set up where maybe the vocal booth was the closet or the bathroom? Somebody had an MPC or Insonic sampler hooked up, mm-hmm. or a DAT machine, or mm-hmm. or or a drum pad. So was it like the home setup, or was it more of like the professional studio where you were kind of crowdfunding money to pay for the studio time? Because studio time was not cheap back in those days. Nah, I was I would say it was a home professional studio right. because from from even everything from the walls to the paint the details it, w- it was done right yeah it was done right yeah. so you know he had my, you know my guy had advanced to another level where he was you know past the just starting out stage it was definitely professional mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and while we're on the subject of new york hip-hop we talked about earlier video music box ralph mcdaniels and lionel martin but we cannot mention the impact of New York hip hop without mentioning DJ Red Alert, Chuck Chill Out, and the late Mr. Magic, Mr. Magic's Rap Attack. So can Definitely. you tell the audience about the impact of those two separate radio shows and how if your record got broke on one of those, you were about to be on your way? Um, it was, man. You know, back then, Mr. Magic would have this segment where you, you hear, like, um, or Marley, whoever was playing the records, you would hear world premiere. So when you heard that, you got world your tape deck premiere. ready. Pr- yeah. pr- 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 premiere. You heard that, you got your tape decks re- ready. You know, I used to I used to be outside playing and I would just run in the house getting ready to tape. And if I fell asleep, I hit the tape button and whatever I came up with the next morning heard, that's what it was. But we would tape everything back then. That's right. And when you come everything. out, that's right. When you come out the house the next day, Whoever had the hottest tape, man, we we, we, we would say <laughs> his tape is crazy because you gotta catch it. You fall asleep, you missing you missing hot stuff, man. Hot. Mm, yeah. And I'm sure that paid for somebody's sneakers. You were selling for like maybe five, ten a pop, and was getting your <laughs> sneaker money, your video game money, or going to Dapper Dan, trying to get your custom Dapper Dan MCM suit. <laughs> get your custom interiors or whatever. So yeah. that's the one thing about New York that I always appreciated being from the South is that whatever New York did, other regions tried to add their own flavor to it, but mm-hmm. still respecting that New York is where it all started. And 
what Teddy Riley did with New Jack Swing with meshing R&B and hip hop, it was unheard of. So what was your thoughts on, let's say, when Guy, I'll Be Sure, Key Sweat dropped, you have these hard rap beats over melodic R&B hooks? Loved it. It was just creative. You know, it's back, you know, in those periods from, you know, you had 45, you had Bomb Squad, you had these, these great producers and they all had their moment. So that New Jack Swing was was just, it was all about the club. It was about partying. It was just just great records. Just yeah. loved it. It was different. You, you bringing back good memories and good yeah. times, man. Because even, even, even with that, sorry to uh, interrupt you, is the fashion played a part because the music had to match the fashion. So it was more or less like, <laughs> this goes back to being creative and being different and innovative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your fashion, you if you saw somebody with the same stuff while you was out, you would be pissed. You wanted <laughs> to be different. That's right. That's why you went to the Dapper Dance stores and the Gucci's and the MCM's. People was doing their seats like that in their cars. They just took it to the next level. So it was always about the, the music and the fashion just work hand in hand together. Mm-hmm. And I believe there's a documentary coming out about the rooftop in Harlem, which is an infamous, should I say, skater rink. And that was where a lot of I'll just say activity went on mm-hmm. and that's where Teddy, you know, got his start with production of Audio 2's Rap New Generation, which led to Kumo D, Go See the Doctor mm-hmm. and everything else that he produced. And also I got to give credit and mention to Mr. Bernard Bell, who alongside Teddy wrote and produced a lot of those big records and Bernard Bell, mm-hmm. brother of Regina Bell. Hmm. Nice. Mm. And it's crazy with 90s fashion, how it's coming back in, you know, Cross Colors, Carl Kanai, um, African-American College Alliance, you know, fashions that I, I remember vividly as a mm-hmm. child, mm-hmm. you know, when my I told my wife when she got me a Cross Colors hoodie for Christmas last year, I told her, you don't know how bad I wanted to wear Cross Colors when I was six, seven, eight years mm-hmm. old. And now mm-hmm. I get to finally live that. I was like, where's my beep in my issue of YSB magazine? <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and that's what's yeah, good days. And that's what's so so crazy about it mm-hmm. is that you know everything that's old is new again. And I feel like with the new wave of hip hop now and how with the internet the world is smaller, you get your conscious hip hop like the golden era, but you also get your trap hip hop, you get your world hip hop based on other sides of the globe. And Mm -hmm. it's just one big melting pot where we're not all isolated anymore. We're actually more together now because of a computer and high speed internet. It's it's good and bad because then even with that, you got more access, things get oversaturated. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree with the oversaturation. Yeah, and from promotion standpoint, you got to go even harder because it's like, Almost like as soon as your record comes out, two minutes later, somebody else comes out. And you just get pushed further, further to the back. Mm, yeah, so it almost kind of sort of feels like you gotta constantly drop content because mm-hmm. it's very by the minute. And for those of you that are too young to remember, shopping a demo. Here's how the process goes: <laughs> you make a demo either in a studio or a home studio, put it mm-hmm. on a cassette tape or mm-hmm. dad remember that's put it on one Mm -hmm. of those two and then you would either look on the back of the cassette on the back of the album hope that the label's address was on it 
write the address down, send mm-hmm. your demo in, mm-hmm. or be bold enough to walk into the label like LL and Crush Groove, hit the box and do an audition in front of a Zets and try to get on. And that was how you did it back in those days. Right. Yeah, but but it never worked because at the end of the day, nobody wasn't listening to that stuff. We I you know, I found out later from A and R's and stuff, it was it was more or less about you just had to have a relationship. And that's why everybody kind of stuck with one producer because the producers was the ones that was really getting you those deals back then. Mm, so mm-hmm. it was like getting good with somebody and hopefully, you know, they mm-hmm. can they crew. can work it work it for you. Yeah, like you know, Juice Crew, BDP, you had the Hilltop Hustlers in Philly, you had just different crews everywhere and you know that one producer normally from like the prince pauls to they they all had the label affiliations so and you like a stamp of approval yeah that cosign and you mentioned uh prince paul and also would want to mention large professor from uh, main source and how mm-hmm. they were using i believe it was the mpc i want to say and it was to where the sampling time was so low that if you played a record at its regular speed, you wouldn't get a lot of sample time, but they figured out ways to manipulate the machine yeah. in order to get more sampling time. So what I was always impressed with was how a lot of those early producers like Teddy, Marley Marr, Prince Paul, um, Large Professor, they would use the machine and with the limitations of the day, was able to make art. Just geniuses. Those guys is just, you know, um, the primos of the world. You know, even back then, just playing, being just just creative is just geniuses. Mm. You know, 45 King is a genius. I, I saw certain things with my own eyes. Granddaddy IU is a genius. Mm. Let's talk about 45 King, the 900 number. If mm-hmm. you know your hip hop, you know the 45 King. I believe then he produced Queen Latifah's first single and it was called uh, Princess of the Posse, right? Yeah, he did that. And I think some of the stuff on her first album, mm-hmm. I think it was the All Hell the Queen album. Mm, that yes. was with um, Coming to My House, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did ran, all the- all, She all ran the with him in the early years. Yeah. What'd you say, B? Yeah. I said he, you know, all the early young um, Flavor Unit stuff and he was a tour DJ for the f- whole first run. I think she was, there was the Kid and Play tours. He has videos of Tupac and everything, like, mm-hmm. legendary. Wow. Pioneer, for sure. Pioneer. That, that That's dope. And you're speaking of touring, also, that was another way to kind of cut your teeth in the business was to get on somebody's tour as a roadie, you know, with Tupac being a roadie for mm-hmm. digital. And then I think, wasn't Tretch kind of doing roadie stuff with Queen before Naughty kind of took off? Yeah, there was... They, those are the real early days, but yeah, they took them on tour. You, that's how you got early exposure back then. Mm, and then if you had that cosign, that kind of let people know like, okay, this person cosigned this rapper and it yeah. gives you that anticipation for that debut album, kind of like with Snoop. He was on deep cover with Dr. Dre and G-Thing right. and that set him up perfectly for Doggy Style the following year. Right, and that's like right. Kane did it for Jay-Z. He would give up part of his set and let him come out and rock, you know. Yeah. And that's the way it was, man. Today ain't too much of that, but uh, I, I always thought that was great. And it's it's a humble thing, and that's the way we should do: put each other on. Right. Exactly. And, and gotta give props to Jazzo. 
Jazzo, Hawaiian Sophie, the originators, you know, putting Jay-Z in the game. And then Jay-Z did a feature on the original Flavor record, Can I Get Open? Shout out to Ski Beats, North Carolina native, first to put my home state on the map with his production work with Camp Low and Jay-Z, Reasonable Doubt. And it's just amazing to see how hip hop has gone to where it started off in New York, expanded to the U.S., gone global, and to mm -hmm. see Drake, how a rapper from Canada is the biggest artist in the world. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be that way, though, because it's not just our art. It's supposed to expand and grow. That's right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people would hate on Hammer. I don't. Because if you look at what Hammer was doing back in the early 90s, he was pushing pop numbers. Originally, mm -hmm. he was selling his records out to Trump. Mm -hmm. Then once Capitol heard how much units he was moving by himself, yeah. they were like, hey, we want to offer you a deal. Mm -hmm. And once Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him came out, that opened the door for rap to go mainstream. And then later on down the line, we have Master P with No Limit and then Cash Money with Baby and Slim, how they just took their regionalized sound out of New Orleans and how everybody knows now what bounce is. Everybody mm -hmm. knows, you know, what certain terminology, certain things are that was only confined to your region, mm -hmm. but now it's available on a wider scale because if you think about what Master P did with No Limit in the deal he did with Priority, how he was able to tell them I'm moving these units on my own. I want an 80-20 split. And if you don't know what 80-20 is, that means you keep 80% and the labels get 20%. So when he put out I'm about it, he did it independent, funded out of pocket. So mm -hmm. 2 million tapes at $10 a copy. Got to keep but you, all of the money. But you you know what though? That it was discovered then that that's the best way to do it. Make enough noise where they come after you instead mm -hmm. of you going and hunting them down and begging and all that make them come after you because you make so much noise and it, it's the same today on the internet mm -hmm. you, that you internet got the person, yeah exactly you got all them views you got all that internet stuff going on people like who is this then they come after you that's the mm -hmm. way to do it Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, because that's what Prince was trying to tell everybody back in the early 90s when he was having his issues with Warner Brothers Squalling Slave on his face, selling crystal ball on mpg.com. Do it yourself. You don't need a label. Do right. it yourself. You get to keep the money. You get to keep your publishing. And for those of you that are still trying to get signed to record labels, all I got to say is industry rule number 3080. <laughs> yeah, shady. Uh -huh. Yeah. So yep. how do you think record labels now are trying to survive in the digital age where, like we we're stating, if you got your views, your impressions or whatever metrics that you use to measure streams on, you can say, hey, I don't really need you anymore. I could do it on my own and put it out myself. I mean, look at what Tyler, the creator did, where he put out his stuff, no label backing and still mm -hmm. ended up winning the Grammy. I mean, it's, it's independence, you know, you, you know, once you know better, you know, you, you get older, you try to, you want to do everything kind of independent, but the only thing about being independent now is that you got to, the promotion do dollar got to be high to get in a certain realm, a certain spotlight. So mm. it's all about spending that promotional dollar too, that, that the label was writing those checks for, you got to do it. You get back most of the money, but you got to advance most of it too. Right. 
you're gonna spend. Yeah. You're gonna spend. Mm-hmm. You yeah, and know that, that, and know that you're gonna spend some money, and it's gonna go to the wrong cause. Like you're gonna, you're gonna find out later by yeah. spending a lot of money, you could have saved a lot of money if you knew better. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell me about the cut assemble, which was produced by Forty Five King, Martin Forty Five King. Symbol was pretty much a breakdown. Um, it was breaking down everybody has a job to do, and that's the body. That's the body. The church is the church is really us. We are the church. So it ain't we just make a building. It. Yeah, we make it. It's not a building you go to. We are the church, and everybody got a job to do. So a symbol mm-hmm. was all about that, putting the pieces together. You do your job, he does his job. She does hug, boom, boom, it comes together. That that was a symbol. Um, that 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 was a record that we felt, you know, um, from the beginning, man. That that track, it came on. And I know I said, man, I don't <laughs> I said, and I'm picky, man. Oh, I'm yeah, picking beats, man. Oh, definitely. take me forever. It take me forever. Be a tell you, man. It take me a minute. I say, no, I don't feel it, man. I don't feel it. <laughs> But that thing That's came true. on, it was over. As soon as I heard it. The part was done quick, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. It was easy. Piece of cake. Man, mm-hmm. that, that, if the that, track is right, piece of cake. Yeah, that, that's crazy. And while we are talking about beats and production, I got to mention Diddy and Bad Boy and how mm. he was able to learn from Andre Harrell, may he rest in peace, when he was at Uptown. And mm-hmm. once he got infamously fired from Uptown and he started his own label, Bad Boy. So what was your take, 360, on the whole Bad Boy movement, what Diddy was able to do with Craig Mack, Biggie, Total, so on and so forth? And same question to you, B-Down, thoughts on Diddy and Bad Boy? Um, Go ahead, Big. Ready to Die was just, just, I mean, you know, even with the Total Records, he was just creative. He, um, you know, he he brought a, a nice party element to hip hop. So he he got a stamp on the game. You know, Big is probably one of the greatest ever. Mm-hmm. He he went and found them. Yeah. You know, even I was watching even like old Total videos. You know, even with the fashion, they dressed a certain way. You gotta you gotta give him his respect and his due. He's a great businessman. Mm, definitely smart. How about you, three sixty? Thoughts on uh, Diddy and Bad Boy and that whole. Well, my thing, my thing with him is that hustle is unmatched. Mm-hmm. When that when that dude took, um, what they call an uh, intern job, no no mm-hmm. pay, none of that, and he jumped from Howard. The yeah, man. Howard to New York. That's right. like right. That's, that was that, back, that train, back in the days. Right, and he, he did, did that Amtrak. Right. Yeah. Right, that's like four hours, and yeah, and, 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 and it's crazy how he was so devoted. He was taking yeah. trains to and from New York to DC, and then right. Andre Harrell told a story about how one of his first days of Diddy coming to the office, he told Diddy, "Hey, I need you to go take this tape to somewhere for me," and it was ten blocks up, ten blocks back. Instead of walking, he ran mm-hmm. both ways. And when Andre Harrell said, "Once I saw that he did that," I knew this kid was going to be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's his why hustle he was crazy. That's why he where he is, man. That, that, listen, his heart and hustle was crazy. You ain't going, you, you're not going, you're going to, you're not going to doubt him for that. Cause that's all uh, day with him. 
all day. No, no, no. I had a chance to interview Ivory Tab, who was a contestant on season two of I Want to Work for Diddy. And she mm-hmm. was saying how, you know, his hustle, like you're saying, hustle and relentlessness, unmatched. Whatever mm-hmm. needs to be done, I'm going to go get it. And I expect yeah. you to go get it as much as I went and got it. Cause it's all about right. you don't work, you don't eat. You know, let's get right. it. Let's let's work. And nobody's gonna give you nothing. Yeah. And what was your take on Jermaine Dupree, so so death, that whole movement with escape and crisscross and how that laid the foundation along with the face for everything that was to come out of Atlanta? Just a, just another element, another movement. You know, hip hop, the music has always been about movements. JD go all the way back to breakdancing for Houdini on the on the Fresh Fresh tours. Mm-hmm. So which you put know, together just, by his dad, not to cut you off, mm-hmm. which put together by his dad, Michael Malden. Mm-hmm. So I just looked at it like he had the experience. He he was around all the stuff. He was more experienced probably than a lot of us at an early age. You know, with the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. So it was just it was their time, and you can't deny the music no matter where it's from. Mm-hmm. And he also produced Silk Times Lover, mm-hmm. and definitely got to give JD his flowers to for him to go seamlessly from crisscross, skate, TLC, everybody. Mariah, right. Right. You know, everybody. to Usher, to work with everybody, and to still be well respected and well rounded. You know, it's just crazy. And then the with New York, the brat with New York hip hop. We mentioned Red Alert, Chuck Chill Out, Marlon Marl, Miss Magic. But there mm-hmm. was a radio show out of, I believe, Columbia University that was done mm-hmm. by two young men. And they had a lot of rap artists on either right before they got signed or as soon as they were signed to a label. I'm talking Bobbito. about Stretch Armstrong and Barbito, a.k.a. Cool Bob Love, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Cucumber Slice. Ooh, ooh. So yeah. tell me about the impact of Stretch Armstrong and Barbito and their radio show out of Columbia University. Same thing, man. We would, you know, I would go to because they was late night with it. They came yeah. on. Um, so you, you know, back then I had to be to work at six six thirty in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I would just go ahead, pop that tape on, and wake up and just listen and just being amazed, like all the great people that came through there before they had deals and got on. Yeah, just is crazy. It's crazy. It, it motivated you. It made mm-hmm. it, it motivated you as an artist because yep. you knew that you heard this is what this is my competition. You know, this is what I'm going up against. I got to make records that's on the same level as this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I knew whose show you was going to, I knew whose show you was going to say immediately, man. Cause they, Oh my God. They, they put the groundwork in, man. And they, they, they had fire. I knew who you were going to say. That mm-hmm. show was serious. Yeah, it was a, it was a problem, and the thing was, it was on college radio at that. And like I said, they were making and breaking acts before they became household names. And mm-hmm. you mentioned B down about how it was like competition, where as soon as you heard that freestyle, you're like, mm-hmm. I need to step my game up. It's like when you're going to Rucker, Dykeman, mm-hmm. or insert whatever court here, you're trying mm-hmm. to get in on the run. But you already got the team that's already winning, and you can't get on until loser loses, and the next mm-hmm. team comes up. So it's almost like I got to go on the other court where nobody's shooting, get my reps in, so that when it's my time to get on the court, I can bust some heads, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and it definitely makes me miss 
once again, that competition of, I want to be better than this MC. How can I stand out from this MC? What is it that I can do individually or collectively if you're in a group situation to stand out? Because, you know, Dela was different from Cypress Hill. Laws of the Underground was different from Souls of Mischief. X-Clan mm-hmm. was different from BDP. D-Nice mm-hmm. was different from Red Kingpin. And it seems like that when you bring in major labels and, you know, with most majors, they're very risk adverse where we want to do what's going to add to our bottom line so that when we go to our shareholders meeting in the fourth quarter, we can say our profit margins are up. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of always been like that fine balance of how do I balance commerce and commercialism with independence? And I kind of think that's why, you know, Fuji's took off, you know, when Blended From Reality, which was their first album, didn't mm-hmm. really do much, but the score came out so gangbusters, and then we all know what happened to Lauren Hill after that. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, She's I think fired. too. With some artists, you grow musically, and that time might not be your time. And I, maybe that first album, once they did that that Salam Remy remix, um, I think it was Nappy Heads, they took off. Mm-hmm. So it just they just grew as artists, and, and Lauren was like, oh my gosh. It was she was like the hottest thing going for a good minute mm, for her to sing and speak. Very talented and act and, and act too. Yeah, yeah, of course she was in Sister Act Two, which mm-hmm. if you look back at it, Jennifer Love Hewitt was also in that movie. Ryan Toby, who later went on to be in City High, was in that movie. Tanya Blunt, who put out her own album off of Mercury, I believe, she vocally she was nothing to play with either. Yeah, it was, was crazy. Fire. Was far as crazy, crazy to see like how much talent, you know, came out during that one movie. And then we got to mention Philly, you know, Rough Riders, Eve, DJ Jazzy Jeff, Fresh Prince, Schoolie D, Three Times Dope, Hilltop, Hilltop, Hilltop. Steady B. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Steady B. Shout mm-hmm. out Tap Money, Three Times Dope, all those guys. Mm-hmm. And Philly, you know, nobody probably could have predicted that Will Smith would go from being the Fresh Prince to being Big Willie Summer, where every summer he was putting out blockbuster movies. And before that, he was putting out, you know, your friendly, tame family rap, you know, parents just to understand girls and nothing but trouble summertime, then crossed Mm -hmm. over with Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And it's funny to see how him, Queen Latifah, LL Cool J, how they were able to parlay Ice-T, Yes, how they were able to parlay their rap careers and expand it and build their brands beyond rap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I thought that that was so dope how you were able to take one thing, spin it into something else. And I want to go back to 45 King for a minute. Um, I had found a couple of years ago, he had did a, not necessarily a remix, but he took Spread Love by Take Six and mm-hmm. added the drums from Impeach the President by mm-hmm. the Honey Drippers. And I was, mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, this is sick. Jeez. And to know that he was behind that, I was like, the, why that wasn't a full record? It was just a breakbeat. I don't, I don't, like, he, like everybody's saying, um, he's, he's a genius. He, you know, he got even a whole bunch of just beats that nobody listened to. It's like, 
Why this thing come out? Why that thing come out? He's he's a genius. So you and mean to quick. tell me the forty five kink is sitting on Dax real yeah, unreleased mm-hmm. material? Mm-hmm. Well, unreleased beats that never came out. That that yeah, I definitely out. know for sure. Yeah, for whatever reason they ain't come out. He got stuff mm-hmm. that's just sitting. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Heat. Yeah, he wow, heat. So I'm gonna ask you guys this question. What was the one artist or group rap wise that you felt had the talent and everything, but for reasons or another didn't blow up and should have? Mm. Mm. Ones that fell through the cracks. Hmm. Oh, I got one. I got one. You got Coogee, one, B? Coogee Rap. As much as a genius, uh-huh. I'm, I'm as much as like lyrically, he was that guy. He was so dope to me. He should have been selling for five million. Yeah. 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 Coogee Rap, he's eating off the royalty checks from Poison. Shouts to BBD for sampling Poison and Poison. So I'm sure Coogee Rap is doing all right. How about for you, 360? I got a couple in my um, Lord Finesse, AZ. Ooh. Ooh. You know, the, Ooh. The, these jokers could rock, bro. <laughs> and, and, and good you know, ones. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they fell through the crack for sure. Mm, good for, ones. For me, yeah. I would have to say I thought finesse and sequence should have been bigger. Mm. I they remember was, though. I yeah, remember. they were signed to Uptown. They had the Soul Sisters record straight from the soul. I thought Redhead Kingpin should have blown up more. Mm. Definitely. Yeah, he was Definitely. dope. And then had he not passed so soon, I thought Big L would have been huge. Yeah. yeah, he was my next Ooh. one. He was the next one I was about to say. Yeah, Big L is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Big L was was no joke. I mean, yep. the MVP record, dope record. And what was your guys' take on when you first heard Eminem? And did you think that Eminem was going to be a problem when you first heard him? When I first heard him, I just thought he was just... Just phenomenal. I knew immediately. Um, you you kind of know when somebody's standing out and different in their first 10 seconds of them around me. Mm-hmm. I, I knew he was just, mm-hmm. he was like, woof, freaking nature. Yeah, I, I thought his word play was crazy. And um, in an in, in a interview, he was saying how crazy he thought Tretch was. And I was, I was, you know. The humble, he's a humble guy too. Like from the standpoint yeah. of showing love was pioneers mm-hmm. definitely yeah you definitely gotta gotta respect where it starts now on the flip side of that question was there one artist or group that you thought was nah, i ain't think that they was gonna do nothing but they turned out to be huge mm. <laughs> i can tell you mine's off top i'm gonna go ahead and say mine's and i'm not ashamed to say that i thought this person was only gonna have maybe one or two hits and then fade I thought, for me, I thought Nelly was going to be like a one-two-hit wonder. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, okay. I thought Country Grammar was a nice record. Had that little nurse around down, down, baby, on street. And then E.I. came out. But once <laughs> Hot and Her came out, which samples Bustin' Loose by Chuck Brown, I was like, oh, N- Nelly is something serious. You know, that Nellyville album. So Nelly was my artist that I thought was going to kind of fade eventually, but ended up being... A problem. I got one. I'm I'm embarrassed to say it, but I'm gonna let Doc three go. You go first. But mine's is y'all gonna be like what? Drawing yeah, the short straws I'm, on that I'm, one. Go ahead, three sixty. I'm I'm struggling. 
I'm struggling on that question, man, because of uh, nobody's coming to mind, man. You know Not who was for me? It, or who was it? Oh my God, you're gonna be like, no. And they're, they're like my one of my favorite rap groups ever now. When I first heard EPMD, what? Mm. I didn't. I did not like that Nick Nack Patty Whack. Oh, I, I, I did not. You didn't like, like the. You didn't like the Strictly <laughs> Business album. Nah, nah. No. No. Nah. Wow. No. Wow. What? When they did. When they did. Um, the second one. Business. Mm -hmm. was, was it business? Did, was it business? So, as usual? so what you saying? So, so what you saying was the song that shut me right up. And now, they, now like, Eric I, Sermon doesn't get enough props as a producer. So shout out to iconic. Eric Sermon, the Green Eye Bandit. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Mm -hmm. And they became my top three or four of all time. Mm, and then like how we mentioned earlier, you know, Redman, that was Redman's introduction into the game through EPMD, right. Hit Squad, mm -hmm. him and K-Solo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so definitely yeah. Big, big mentions to Hit Squad was EPMD. Doss Effect, shout out Nocturnal. Who's um on our album too mm. from Hit Squad? Yeah, mm, yeah, Daz Effects I thought was dope, and we were talking about EPMD and everybody that was coming out of that camp. It was one person who I thought was dope. It had just entered my head, but it went out. But it eventually would come back to me. But that just goes to show you how deep the '90s were, where mm -hmm. even if you weren't on the top tier. You were still dope, you know, like young black teenagers. They had the record top the bottle. Uh DJ Scribble was their DJ MTV. and uh Jamal, who was in uh Cameron, who played Jamal at House Party 2, mm -hmm. was in uh Young Black Teenagers. And I thought that 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 record was dope. Mm -hmm. I think the Bomb Squad produced that record too. Mm -hmm. If Hank, I'm not mistaken. Hank Shockley, Eric yeah. Shockley, Eric Bright. I mean, yeah. Yeah, Eric yeah. Sadler, excuse me. Eric Sadler, excuse me. Yeah, and I thought um, Foo Snickens was dope. Mm-hmm. They had a little run, though. They had a, I think they got a gold album. Yeah, yeah, with the What's Up Dot record uh, with mm -hmm. Shaq. What I heard was they wanted to get the Bugs Bunny vocal of What's Up Dot for that record. But for mm -hmm. some reason, Warner Brothers wouldn't get them the clearance. So I think that's why they had to do the hook. Like that because they couldn't get mm -hmm. the Warner Brother clearance for the Bugs Bunny sample. I thought uh, UMCs was dope. dope. Leaders, leaders of the new school, dope. dope. Black Sheep, dope. Mm -hmm. uh, Chi Ali, dope. Um, Digging in the Crates Crew, I thought All that of them they were dope. dope. Diamond D, Diamond D, mm. dope. Mm. Now, what was your thoughts when you first heard Nas on that live Woo. at the barbecue? main source with a pre this is probably pre or this is right around the time when you got a flow joe came out fat joe and then akinelli no fat joe wasn't on um five at the barbecue y yes yes he was i think he was fat, fat joe yeah i think fat joe was on was on uh live at the barbecue i believe it was nice uh, main, main, main source nice fat i think fat joe was 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 on, was on there you gonna have after, me. I gotta look. After Nas, after Nas, no. I don't, I don't know who nope. go after because it was he, Joe Fatal. Joe Fatal. Joe, Joe Fatal. Fatal. That wasn't Fat Joe. Joe. 
No, his name no. is Joe Fatal. Okay, it was Joe Fatal. Joe Excuse Fatal. me. So Joe well, Fatal, not that? that Joe on the live at the barbecue record. <laughs> I, said, I said after Nas went, I don't, I don't know nobody. That was it for but, me. But too. that just goes <laughs> to show you how somebody stands out on the record the way you don't even remember yeah. who else was on the record. That's how much yeah, Nas man. stood out, and that set the stage for what was to come with Illmatic. And shout out goes to MC Search from Third Base, mm-hmm. who's the one that kind of sort of laid the groundwork, kind of said, "Hey." need to check this kid out and third base i thought was dope in their own right as well the cactus album dope record yeah. mm-hmm. definitely definitely third base so tell me about the uh, any material that you guys got coming out and when can we expect it um we're working on it well it's finished it's not even we're working on it no more it's called still a long way to go and it'll be out in february we're shooting a video next saturday okay for the first first sing- well the second single Okay. All right. So who's behind the boards on the production? Um, Rashad Combs, who did a, a bunch of Ice Cube stuff. He did um, a death certificate and all that stuff. He's original, the boogeyman that was down with Pooh. Him, Granddaddy IU, 45 King, um, DJ Sue, this guy named Sean Turner. I think that's it that I could think of right now. Okay. Anything you want to add, uh, Doc, about the, the new album? Fire, man. <laughs> Is he? I just, yeah. We're we going we to be dropping flex bombs when the album drops? Yeah, man. So many. And yeah. the, so the many flex bombs. In the most humble way, man. It's phenomenal. It's, Oh, it's, it's a problem. It's gonna be a problem. Ooh. It's gonna be a problem. Now, I want to get you guys out of here on this real quickly. Talk about okay. that early two thousands period, which I feel was underrated in terms of New York hip hop. Dipset's run mm. was mm. so underrated. Mm-hmm. Don't get enough credit, Jewels. And look at the video that Cam just did of him freestyling not too long ago. I saw that. Killer, Killer Cam still got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw I saw that. It was dope. Mm-hmm. It was dope. And it, yeah. if you saw them do it live, it was even more. The visual was like crazy. It was right. crazy. Right. Yeah, that whole Dipset G Unit era. Then go down to Philly with State Property with Freeway, mm-hmm. Benny Siegel. You know that whole movement. It was just insane. And then of course all of that branched from you know Jigga Jay Z to see where mm-hmm. him. Dame Dash and Kareem Biggs Burt was able to say, hey, you guys are not going to offer us a deal? Fine. We're going to form our own label. Name it Rockefeller. And to see how Jay-Z has transformed from being this to where he's at the level like a Dr. Or Dre or Kendrick Lamar where you anticipate when he puts out something. Because yeah. he's not out and exposing himself like that. And that's what makes, like say, artists like him, Dr. Dre, Kendrick Lamar, even his wife, Beyonce, so revered because they do their thing quietly. Yeah. You you just mentioned Siegel though. Beanie Siegel to me, man, that's 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 one of my dudes there, boy. Cause he just he just he just it's something there that just triggers as soon as he starts. And I say, Yup, it, it's a as an MC to an MC thing, where if you get a spark, you know somebody got a spark. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you just say, this guy don't move me. He don't move me. But Siegel, nasty. Yeah, <laughs> nasty. And 
since we are as taping up this podcast four days after election, we know Pennsylvania selected Biden. So everybody's getting Wawa subs, tasty cakes, Philly <laughs> cheesesteaks. Everybody's an adopted Philadelphian right now because right. we're all hyped for Philly right now. Right. So before we close this interview, gentlemen, do you have any shout outs you want to give and also plug your social media? Um, org Music 360 is our Instagram is um, T-H-E underscore O-R-G number one on Twitter. And you can like us on Facebook, um, just the org. Just Google search it, it'll come up. Yeah. All right. How about you, 360? Just a big shout. Big shout to uh, producers that work with us. Shout out to family, uh, friends, everybody that really was supportive uh, on this journey. And Definitely. we ain't gonna let y'all down in a few months. All right, definitely, Dad. And you can catch this interview on all streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple, Anchor, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast. And the video version will be available on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash JA5. And also be sure to go to facebook.com slash beyond the album cover to get updated with show news. Ladies and gentlemen, be down. Doc360 from the rap group, the org. Thank you guys for coming on and doing this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, man. Appreciate everything.